This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official brew of Stacking Wins. Looking for something to do during a blowout? Celebrate with the Stonies. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G Striker, and with us is the man with the pulse on the league, Brad Lambert. Brad, Le'Veon Bell has told his season is over. How did we get to this point, man? Well, it's pretty simple. He uh, didn't show up and signed his tag. Is there anything that you hear around the league that he got to that point or why he chose to stay out for the for the entire year? I mean, honestly, I think it comes down to that he's getting bad advice. Mm. Um, it it uh, starts with his agent, Adisa Bakari, mm-hmm. and kind of trickles down from there to his family and friends and whoever else is really telling him what he wants to hear rather than what he should hear. And, um, and what should he hear then, Brad? I mean, in my honest, unbiased opinion... Mm-hmm. I think he should have come back and finished the season. Yeah. Um, not because I want the Steelers to have him or whatever, but he needed to come back and mend his relationships, his reputation, and prove to all 31 other teams that he can still play football. Because at this point, it's almost been a year since he's played football. And it's going to be over a year now since he's played football. Correct. So for him to come back and play, I think it's really important for those reasons. And he's not someone that you can compare to a guy like Todd Gurley. Yeah. Which is what his camp is doing day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Like they honestly are like, you should get Todd Gurley money or more. And Todd Gurley has just turned 24. And Le'Veon will be 27 in February, I believe. Wow. That's a so there's big, like big almost difference. three year gap. Yeah. And Le'Veon definitely has more miles. Yeah. More severe injuries. Mm-hmm. More suspensions. True. More off the field drama. Mm-hmm. And more just in general drama. You know? where you rarely hear about the likes of Todd Gurley or Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack, for that matter. So where are the comparisons coming from? I don't think it's fair to to tell Le'Veon that he's Todd Gurley for the same situation. He's not. Yeah, the only thing that his camp is hanging on is probably his yardage per game excellence that he, he does have and he, he it is proven that he's hitting right around 129 yards per game start and that is something to hang your hat on in the NFL 
But Connor is hitting those marks and, and exceeding them now behind the same offensive line. I mean, when you're going into yeah, a negotiation, if somebody's if you're holding out and somebody's coming in and doing the job as good or better than you, I think it hurts your negotiating power. Oh, very much so. And and even across the league, when you guys when you got guys like uh, Marlon Mack and Alvin Kamara, yeah, who are like mid round guys coming in. Not costing seventeen and a half million dollars a year, yet still is productive you know, in the run and pass game. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just think the, the space is changing. Mm. You know, I really feel like, I don't want to say running backs are a dime a dozen, but look what James Conner's doing. He's going to get paid, but no team's going to pay a running back again, like fifteen to seventeen million dollars. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. So the worst thing that can happen to Le'Veon is he holds out for an entire year, and then I I don't know if the Steelers would be willing to try to use the transition tag or the franchise tag. But one, no, that's done. That's done. But one interesting point, though, is if the Steelers did use the transition tag, I think it would devalue his market value because you don't have all 31 teams trying to compete for his services. You have somebody you know, soliciting the Steelers – stating here's the contract we want to give Le'Veon Bell, and it's up to the, the Steelers on whether or not they wanted to sign or let that contract go, obviously. But if they did it that way, I think that the market value for him would shrink. Now, conversely, I guess if you're saying that there's no tag option on the table, which I would understand that as well with the way he's treated the Steelers this year, can completely see it from a, a, a corporate side from them, understanding that you know we don't want to have anything to do with this guy. We don't want to tag this guy. We're just going to wash our hands with him, take the money that he gave us, and move on. And if that situation happens, do you see the league kind of positioning to a point where you know this is the first time we've had a franchise tag holder in the last you know 10 years hold out an entire year and kind of use that as a negotiating tool to kind of advance the franchise tag from being a second tag to a third tag without playing it down? Um, do you think the league would kind of see that as a negative toward the franchise tag, which obviously they want to keep? Or are they going to wait and try to devalue him as an entire league? I mean, would they, would the whole league just say, hey, look, he's not worth even $14 million a year, which he play, would have played under this season and played under the previous season, and just stick him at back to a 10 to $12 year, million a year value? Is that a possibility? I mean, it's certainly a possibility. I really don't see the Steelers tagging him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they stood by him through the drama, the suspension, the drug charges, you know. Yeah. And he, you know, turned his nose up at him. Yeah. And, and the, you know, if there's one franchise and ownership group that you don't screw over and burn a bridge on, yeah, it's the Roonies. Um, because the league itself is not going to want to set the precedent that this is appropriate behavior, you know? Yeah. So they're going to stand behind the Rooney. So showing all the other players who are like, I'll just sit out a whole season. Yeah. They're going to be like, no, you're not. You know? So I I just think, uh, I don't see this going the way he hopes. I, I think one of the people that this might actually affect the most would be Bell's agent. He's really doing a hard-line negotiation stance, like you're saying, against one of the most storied family franchises in the NFL. 
Um, I'm sure with the way that Bell has shown himself in the offseason while he's holding out, you know, going to strip clubs, partying on yachts, running around on jet skis. I mean, I mean, everybody's entitled to have fun, but this is the image that his client showed to the league. And this is his only blue chip client. He's got some smaller clients. Um, He's got Diggs. I know that uh, the receiver and um, but. You know, it, this is going to really hurt not only his negotiating power ever. I, I don't see the Steelers ever wanting to do business with this guy again. Oh, well, yeah, that's for sure. But the, what's unfortunate about the agent business mm-hmm. is there are guys out there that, you know, obviously work for their percentage. Yeah. And if they're not going to get it from you, they will drop you mm-hmm. literally and move on. And go somewhere where they'll get their percentage. So, like, mm. you know, I personally know someone who had an agent mm. and the career didn't work out and he dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. And then the player was left there with no one to help him. And you would know because I know you wanted to be an agent. That's something you studied for years. You have a lot of player interaction and have a lot of players that you call friends. And uh, I also respect yeah. that. You don't want to have to always mention their names, obviously, but that is an important point. It, it is a what have you done for me lately? The converse of that player-agent relationship is if you're not producing, the agent's going to cut you, and, you know, what do you have to do then? Yeah, I mean, it, it's very much a gamble on Adita's side at Le'Veon's behalf. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... Adisa will continue to practice, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he'll still be an agent. Yeah. Regardless of whatever happens with Le'Veon. Yeah, true. So, you know, Le'Veon, unfortunately, if his career ends a year or two from now, he'll be by himself. Do you know any teams that you think would have interest in Le'Veon Bell? Uh, The Jets, the Mm. Bills, the the Lions, Packers. Mm-hmm. But once again, if you're these teams, right? Yeah. And you're entering the draft next year, and you have a college stud that falls to you. Mm. Could be first round, could be second, third, fourth. Yeah. You're going to take the stud, college kid, because he's going to cost you pennies on the dime. Yeah. And you've seen how those guys have performed in the NFL recently. Yeah. Why would you spend $17.5 million on one running back with a troubled pass and injury? And he hasn't played in a year and a half. You just, it, it's just not, you know, it's not going to happen. And how he treated the team, mm. his teammates, yeah. the coaches. I mean, teams look at that, man. They do. And he had a great. So like, I mean, he had a great relationship with his offensive line, and for them to start rumbling at the beginning of the season when he didn't show up, when he promised he was going to be there, you know. Now, yeah. obviously, they've washed their hands with the guy. And I, I know. I think you did. You state that Foster uh, removed Bell or unfollowed him on Instagram, or did I just read that online? Apparently, Antonio Brown did today. Oh wow, that's huge. Yeah, like you know, guys are like, "All right, see ya." Yeah. You know, you're I mean, either a team that's... player or you're not. That's it. And and, and I, I can understand that player's perspective. I mean, they're sitting there, they're working hard, they're they're stacking wins, they're playing 
and, and executing excellently on offense, and they're trying to build on that and work toward a playoffs and a championship and to have one of their top players from the previous five, six years just all of a sudden say, hey, I'm not playing with you guys. You know, it, that's that's got to hurt. It's got to hurt on a personal level, and I understand that. And, it, and it's completely justified. Especially when the guy said he's coming back. Exactly. Multiple times. And then it that's, seems like every time he gets to that issue. point, it's like, eh, I guess I'm not going to. Oh, we'll wait it out a little longer. And do you think that that strategy kind of like snowballed on him? Because once he kind of set back the first time and then he heard all that negative press from his teammates kind of being like, hey, you said you're going to be here and, and being upset about the fact that he wasn't showing up. Do you see that as snowballing into his decision-making down the road for, you know, almost coming, not coming, coming to the Pittsburgh area, coming right at the franchise tag signing deadline the week before, hanging out in Pittsburgh, and then all of a sudden the day of, 4 o'clock in the morning, we get a tweet that he's at the Pittsburgh airport flying out. It seems like he came to Pittsburgh with the intent to do something. I guess the only really strange aspect is there was zero communication between Bell and his teammates or Bell in the front office. And I think if there was any communication whatsoever, it could have turned out much differently. Well, you know what the craziest thing is? What's that? I heard from him. You did? Yeah. Wow, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I tweeted something the other day. Yeah. And said, you know, could you imagine walking away from $14.5 million? Yeah. And kind of broke it down like we just talked about. Yeah. And I heard from his brother. Uh-huh. Who tweeted me back and was mm-hmm. talking about Todd Gurley again and how they're the best. And Gurley got his, Le'Veon should get his. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I just responded. I said what I told you. Yeah. You know? He's not talking about Le'Veon over. isn't Gurley. Yeah. And I broke it down. Yeah. And uh, I went back and forth, and I woke up the next morning to a test from Le'Veon. Mm. And what did that text And uh, the yeah. text was a screenshot of my tweet uh-huh. about Gurley. Yeah. And uh, he was like, so Todd Gurley is 23 years of age. Mm-hmm. And I said, he just turned 24. Yeah. So he was trying to make it seem like they're only two years different. Yeah. When it's actually closer to three. Yeah. And he responded, oh. And that was the last I heard. Did I you... sent him a long, long text yesterday morning. Yeah. As a last-ditch effort. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, he didn't give shit, so. Yeah. Do you want to share what you said in that text? Well, just basically what I've said on the podcast. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I'm a Steeler fan. Mm-hmm. But in my unbiased, non-fan-related opinion, he should have came back and finished the season. Yeah. If you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. So you can sit out for a year and a half, but look what Des Bryant did. And Des I'll... Bryant sat out a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And tore the Achilles to second practice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, you know? And there's also something interesting. I, I know in the past, 
when players did used to hold out for a year or hold out at the end of the season or stop playing or fake injuries at the end of the season, it was when there was a different CBA in place. I mean, the collective of bargaining agreement kind of set it now to be more player friendly. So even when you're hit with a franchise tag, you're making good money. I mean, Bell was making significantly more money than most running backs. And, and this is all the way across all positions. So you don't see players holding out as much. And conversely, unless the the injury is career ending, like even, you know, rupturing an ACL, that's not even, I don't even think that's a deterrent for some teams because they know you can come through and do the work and be ready for the next September. I mean, a nine month injury, it's, it's for rehab yep. and everything else. And that, and Bell had a, Significant knee injury as well, and he came back from it and came back stronger than ever. So to me, I don't see that injury argument as being as big of an argument as it would have been before 2011. Now yeah. it seems like the players are a little bit more protected. It seems like the value that they're still willing to give to a player, even a player that's banged up or coming off or rehabbing through an injury, they're still going to get paid. So it, it just seemed like a, a strange argument in my in my mind. Yeah, I just, you know, the, the contract the Steelers apparently offered him, it was, you know, five years, 70. Wow. He was supposed to make, I believe, 30 over the first two years. Yeah. And then, you know, so on and so forth. But the issue was, apparently there was only like 10 to 17 million guaranteed. Yeah. And he wanted over half guaranteed you know half of the 70 is what you're saying like 35 guaranteed. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's just something the and, Steelers and, don't do they just don't write contracts like that well no but he's also 27 years old yeah true you know so it's like what are you what are you possibly thinking yeah because that just doesn't make any sense well I'll tell you one thing at least about Le'Veon Bell as a Steeler fan Nothing would give me as much schadenfreude as having Le'Veon Bell watch the Steelers continue to have success this season and finish with another championship ring and have a championship ring that he's not a part of. And obviously, since he's not rostered, he wouldn't get a ring. So that would be, as a Steeler fan, you know, kicking a man while he's down and, and, uh, you know, being the fan perspective, but... You know, the business perspective, obviously, you'd want to have him in, in there to try to help out to earn that seventh championship. Yeah. I mean, my thing is, look, I I feel that there are reactions to every action and consequences to everything that you do, right? Yeah. And this is one of them, dude. Yeah. It is. You know, it sucks, okay. but it's a gamble. He gambled with fourteen and a half million. Mm-hmm. That's money he'll never ever get back. And we'll have to see if his new contract then would be bigger than that seventy million five year contract that the Steelers were willing to offer. And as the season progresses, mm-hmm. and guys like James Conner and Kamara and that continue to ball out, I just don't, I just don't see it happening, dude. Especially because you know. Todd Gurley and James Conner have the top two offensive lines in football. That is true. And if and they also happen to yeah. have 
the top two offenses in football. Again, true. So, you know, that all, it's a team game for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, Aditi Kinkabala, who I really respect, she posted something yesterday Mm. saying she heard from someone in the AFC, someone in the front office, saying that Aditi's tweet said, an AFC front office exec texted me this week. Mm. First, you pay the guy who throws. Then the guy that chases the guy who throws. <laughs> then the guy who catches the ball mm. receiver, right? Yep. Then the guy who covers the guy catching the ball. The corner. And then the guy who blocks for the guy throwing. Yep. So why would you spend $17 million on a running back knowing that? To come from that An AFC else. front office exec. Yeah. Obviously, they're not in the market for Bell, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but it just shows, yeah. once again, running backs now are a dime a dozen. Yeah. That's not an insult, but it's just based by fact. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're going to pay a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Or Antonio Brown money. or Joe yeah. Hayden. Yeah. Those, those guys deserve it. You're right. So, you know, so, so with that said— mm. Now we have 17 to $20 million in cap space entering next season. Yeah, that's huge. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I am too. <laughs> I'm super excited. Actually, I was just reviewing that yesterday because not only can they re-sign, obviously, everybody that they want to re-sign from their current contract, which they do any way from year to year. Um, I think their only big-numbered re-sign, which isn't even that much of a big number, would be uh, would be Hilton. And Hilton is a nickel corner. He's not going to be getting starting cornerback money. He's going to be getting, you know, nickel cornerback money. But he's going to get a good big uh, big pay raise next year. Um, the other big veteran, I think, is Foster would be a free agent. And then they have to decide on whether or not they're going to give Foster that kind of money or whether they're going to have one of the younger guys right now. And yeah, B.J. Finney coming in, doing a great job when Foster was down. Is Finney the next guy up, or are they going to spend and give Foster a third contract now? Which I just don't see happening personally, but I don't right. see it either. But you have all that extra money to actually tap into free agency, which is something the Steelers never did. And people like to say, hey, it, Steelers don't do business that way. They don't go out and get that big free agent guy. But you got to realize, like you just said to me, Brad, the Steelers have 17 to 20 million to play with now. So usually they're going into the offseason with like, you know, nine, ten, enough just to re-sign their players, maybe give somebody a bigger contract when their contract's up. But now they actually have room to move, and I don't see them sitting on that money. They're going to turn that in hopefully into a good cornerback coming into play opposite of Hayden. And then we have depth underneath. Yeah. Or come in with another pass rusher or another inside linebacker. And or a third receiver, an outside deep threat receiver, which aren't that costly of an option in free agency. So, you know, there's a lot of options that the Steelers have, and it's you're right. I'm excited as well. I'm really excited to see what they do in free agency this year. Let's not get too ahead. Uh-huh. You know, because we're having quite the year now. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and I'm happy because, man, last game was probably the most complete I, I want to say it was the best four quarters they ever played, 
but the Steelers went ahead and only played for three quarters because by the fourth quarter, the game was so over, they took out all the starters. It looked like a preseason game in there. Oh, man, that was beautiful. <laughs> Scored the most points ever at Heinz Field, 52 points, set in a Heinz Field record. Their first seven offensive possessions, aside from a kneel down at the end of the half, I mean, obviously they weren't going anywhere with that possession. They didn't have enough time. But their first seven legit offensive possessions where they were trying to move the football, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Dominant. They didn't have their first – their first play that didn't gain yardage was with 11 minutes left in the second quarter when they got sacked. First time they got sacked. Their first incompletion was with 9.55 left in the second quarter. And, you know, Bell – and that was also the first time that Ben did not complete a first down on a third down conversion. He was 8 for 9 on the day, and that was his only incompletion to not get a first down on a third down conversion. They were just – they couldn't do anything wrong on offense, and they were spreading it out so well. I mean, Ben Ben had a perfect game. <laughs> Literally. 88% completion percentage, only three incompletions. They had more touchdowns than incompletions. They had five touchdowns and spread them out to five different players. I mean, it was just a dominant, dominant effect. And I did like how they recovered from that first drive. I mean, you're watching that first drive. Steelers – you know, being a Steeler fan like <laughs> like myself and you, Brad, we watch Steeler games. We're used to that first drive being a bad drive against the defense. We see that drive happen against the Steeler game. I'm thinking, uh, you know, most Steeler fans are thinking, oh, no, here comes a defensive lapse game. The team's not ready. They're not ready to go. Then, bam, first play out of the box the other way, 75-yard touchdown, double move to Juju Smith-Schuster. Just absolutely destroyed him on that on that move, and <laughs> good to see him with the ex- with the second burst and putting it into second gear and extending for that run. And then the first play on defense, you got yep T.J. Watt pressuring Cam in the end zone, looking like it's going to be a safety, looking like it's going to be an intentional grounding maybe for a safety. But as I'm screaming at the screen for two points, Vince Williams comes around the backside, picks it off, and takes it back for six. <laughs> it's just an incredible 13 seconds that really changed the fortunes of that game and really turned it and started the route on. Yeah, and uh, if you remember last week, uh-huh. I said, if Cam Newton is smiling, we're in trouble. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what you said. He was smiling the first I, drive. I, <laughs> yeah, that was it, though. Yep, as soon as he threw that pick six, though, the, the, the sulking and the moping started, and he, he never pulled out of it. And that was a great point, nope. man. And and it was funny to watch on TV as well, because every time I saw Cam's face and he wasn't smiling, I go, Brad was right. <laughs> <laughs> He's an emotional guy, man, and uh, it's good and bad, depending on how the game's going. And he's a hell of a talent, and the crazy thing that I saw defensively last game was we got out of our our specialty sets on defense. We, we were not playing as much nickel and dime and dollar. We were playing a running team and Butler chose to stay in the three, four base for the majority of the game. So we actually looked like a three, four team. And I think, I mean, obviously it was to slow down not only um, Cam Newton's ability to run and, 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 and play out of the backfield, but also to slow down the running back who was just, who actually did have a great game. 
but they did it also to slow down McCaffrey and McCaffrey still put up some good numbers, but they still kept him under a hundred yard rushing. He was their leading rusher and their leading receiver in that game. He had 61 yards receiving 77 yards rushing, but it's still, I mean, Steelers are now on a streak. They're taking the other team's number one star kind of out of the game and forcing them to beat you in other ways, which is what we're used to seeing when, when the Steelers play the Patriots. Because that seems to be the Patriots' M.O. anytime they play a team. But on defense, too, just to continue, they held the uh, Cam Newton and their prolific offense. I mean, they've been doing awesome all year, but they were down to 242 total yards. Under 150 yards passing, under 100 yards rushing. Um, I mean, that's huge. You had Hayward with two big sacks and two other tackles for losses. Bostick being in the 3-4 the whole game. He gets 10 tackles. Um, Williams, as we discussed earlier, not only with that, that pick six, but also had a pass defense got added a sack right after that. Not long after that as well in the next drive. And you have Watt forcing a fumble and that pressure that led to the the pick six and, uh, Dupree even put together a solid game. It seems like he's standing around in the backfield a lot. I know he's missing some tackles. Obviously Cam Newton no. is a tough guy to bring down and you want to see him bring those guys down. But he's there, and I'm just waiting for him to have that big blow-up game where he's going to have, you know, multiple tackles for loss, which well, he did have two tackles for a loss in that past game and a sack. But I'm just waiting for that big breakout multi-sack game from him because it seems like he's getting there. Well, that's the thing. I think momentum is certainly in his favor. Mm. He's uh, The arrow is pointing up for Bud Dupree, that's for sure. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> finally. And Brad, who would be your three balls of the game that you give out to your top three players? I mean, you got to give one to Big Ben. Mr. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. He, can't. <laughs> he deserves all the balls. To tell you the truth, that is just an yeah, epic he, he really does. You, <laughs> you can't ignore him. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a game. But you have, so, and, Big and, Ben, absolutely. Uh, Antonio Brown. Another nice game. And TJ Watt. Great point. My balls, I'm going to spread it out a little bit. I'm going to give it to my favorite special teamer, Rosie Nix. Not only forcing a fumble, but even though he was in on limited snaps, he had two catches for first downs. He was playing really well. Yeah, Rosie. Yeah, he was playing really well on offense and obviously blocking well in his limited time that he was on the field. But, man, he was impactful when he was on the field. And, and those players like that deserve some recognition. Also, yeah, I, I agree. Also, I have to give a game ball to who I thought was the defensive star of the game, got the game going. Vince Williams, big pick six, another big sack right after that to stop their second drive, to even stop them to even thinking about getting back in the game. Great game from him. Really, really a nice way for them to start. And, uh, and and get excited about and get the Steeler fans excited about the defense and how they were able to play and dominate that game after that first drive. And my third star of the game, Cameron Hayward. He controlled the line of scrimmage. He was in the backfield a lot. He had two sacks. He added two more tackles for losses. He really set the tone and was able to allow the linebackers to play free. And that pressure on Cam really helped out the secondary as well. I mean, it was just a, a, a one of the best games that Cam's had this season. 
I want to see him continue to build on that, and hopefully he will be building on it for the game coming up on Sunday against Jacksonville. Now, I'm one... all about it. Great choices. <laughs> now, one thing I'd like to touch base on, too, and I just want to take a little bit of time and really give the coaches some some kudos about putting together excellent game plans down the stretch. I mean, we've been discussing back and forth what Randy Feekner has done with this offense, and he's able – you know, our offense before was – it ran on the stars. Get the ball to Bell. Get the ball to A.B., you know, and have Ben make plays. The big three. This year, we're using the stars. The stars are still making plays, but the ball is being spread out a lot more. You're seeing the tight ends getting more involved. Not just the starter, not just McDonald. You see Jesse James getting involved. You see Xavier getting getting involved. You see last game as well, three running backs getting involved, which I thought was an excellent job by Tomlin to be able to limit personnel because he's been running Connor really hard this season. I mean, Connor's been getting a majority of the snaps. I'm not saying he's running him hard. Connor is obviously running on his own and he's excelling. But to come off a short week with that much mileage already on his tires and to go into that game plan where they were already working in Ridley, they were working in Jalen Samuels, making sure that, hey, you know, you don't have to get as much leg work in this game as you had in previous games. You're on a short week. We want to keep you fresh for the season. Unfortunately, he did get a little banged up with a concussion toward the end of the game. But that's not something that, that was because he was being run too hard. It was just a, a hit that happened in the game. Yeah. And on defense, I got to give some up to Butler. I mean, Butler now, we, we now have a top 10 defense. And for the way they started, as atrocious as they started the first four games of the season at a 1-2-1 and record, they're, they haven't let up a 100-yard receiver since week four against the Ravens. They haven't had a single 100-yard rusher all season. And they're leading the league in sacks. They're getting the pressure. They're number four in the rushing defense, number eight total all, total overall. So they're really, really turning it around, especially to have that good of statistics with as poorly as they started the season. It's really nice to see them perform and getting the young guys now that were unsure of where to be situationally, positionally, Seems like they know what their job is now. They're moving to the right spots. They know who's supposed to be on the field at the right times now. I know they're running on and off the field so much in September that it was making me angry every time I saw it happening. But it seems like they've turned the corner and they're really performing well on defense as well. Confidence is a beautiful thing, my man. Yeah. And final kudos, of course, to Coach Tomlin. I mean, this is a team that had its back against the wall. One two and one record entering a three straight game, um, uh, a three straight divisional game matchup against their their three divisional opponents right in a row, and bam, they ran the table. Now they're fully. If, if, <laughs> Go ahead. Did if you he's not up for coach of the year, something's wrong. Seriously, with what he's had to traverse with the way that they started slowly, and now to, to also have to manage all of those off-field issues with Bell, and I think he's done it masterfully. Yep. I mean, every time they ask Tomlin about Bell, he says the same thing. He's, I'm going to concentrate on the people that are here. 
And it's, it's the smartest way. I mean, a lot of coaches would get into that hypothetical game or try to throw shade at, at the person that's holding out. Though he did throw a, a minor bit of shade in the pregame interview of the Cincinnati game. And that was yes, he did. when he said, what did he say? I'd, I'd rather have volunteers than hostages. Yep. And that's the perfect way to put it. I mean, we have to deal with volunteers not hostages. So it's it's a little bit of shade, yeah, thrown at Bell. But now that he's out for the year, hey, who cares? <laughs> he is done with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. I will not give him a second thought until um, next, until free agency because I will be interested to see where he goes, what he signs for, and, and if that holdout was worth it financially for him. I mean, personally, I don't think it will, but it will be interesting to see how it plays out. That it will, my man. Coach Tomlin also had a tough call with Artie Burns. I mean, you and I also were fans of his athleticism. I mean, obviously it's unquestionable. He's big. He's fast. He's just having trouble between the ears. And the benching of Artie Burns is is one of the biggest personnel moves that he's had to make. And it was a tough move. And so far, with Sensabaugh being on the field, it looks like he's been he's made the right move. Yeah, we just talked about confidence. Artie Burns does not have any right now. He needs it. He needs I feel it. Feel bad for the kid. I do too, because in, in his limited snaps, I mean he he had the Steelers' only penalty of the game last game, which is huge. Hey, Steeler fans, we had a game where we had no penalties. It's crazy, but that... and and it wasn't it wasn't close either. Yeah, it, it was a blatant penalty, and it seems like it wasn't even really that necessary because. He did get beat initially. He turned around and he made up the ground with his speed, and then he kind of it, – it seems like he was – he overreacted to the point of the football and, of course, went all over the guy as opposed to trying to turn around and play the ball, which it looked like he probably could have done. And it just comes with, like you're saying, confidence. I hope he can turn it around, like we're saying, because he does have the potential and the, the pedigree to be a good player. But you're, he just needs to – get that confidence back, get that swagger back, and, and play with that Hilton-type swagger, <laughs> he'd be a heck of a player. Yeah, and uh, I honestly don't know if he'll get it this year. Well, injury-wise, we at least had another game. Fortunately, going through a game on a short week, fans are always worried about players getting injured. Like we said, Steelers did a good job with personnel, rotating people in and out. You had their stars resting in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it was more of a byproduct of the score of the game, but still it was great to make sure that, hey, we're going to keep our, our stars fresh. We're going to play our younger players, get them in there. But fortunately, no big injuries. You had Stefan Tuitt that had an elbow problem. He had an MRI on that yesterday. We're going to figure out today whether or not he's going to practice. If he doesn't practice today. It's the same elbow. Yeah. Is it the same elbow? From that last he year. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. He, he tweeted out that it was a hyperextension. He says, he, I think he also tweeted out that he's expecting to play this week, but obviously the MRI is going to be the determining factor. If he practices today, signs are good that he's going to play this week. If he doesn't practice today at all, and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like he'll be on the field. Uh, James Car Connors and, and concussion protocol, like we discussed. Concussion protocol is a system. A lot of Steeler fans have been writing to me saying, hey, you know, why has he been on so long? What's the issue? I mean, it's been over a week. Why is he still in concussion protocol? And concussion protocol is a process. And the process is first you're diagnosed with a concussion. 
And then you have to wait until your first practice. You have to be cleared to enter your first practice. Steelers' first practice is today. So he had no way of leaving concussion protocol no matter what until their first practice. Now, once he gets Correct. To it, so if he goes through practice today and he's symptom-free, then he enters the final step of concussion protocol, which is if he shows up the next day for practice and he's still 100% fine and he practices the next day, if he practices on Thursday, he's clear. He can practice then. He's off of, he's off of protocol. So that's the process. So Steeler fans, there is a process. Let's wait till we go through the process a little bit longer before we worry about him still being on concussion protocol. And then we have our, our two players that missed the game, Marcus Gilbert and Dan McCullers. We don't really have any new news on them, and we'll have to find out today if they practiced or not and what their status is going to be leaning toward. And I keep the spreadsheet on SteelerNation.com. If you go to the football forum and you click on the top, there's a sticky for the Steeler Injury Suspension Inactive Fine Tracker steelernation.com please log on that and i update it daily during the week to track the injuries and kind of predict who's going to be playing on game day the jacksonville side of the field they have one huge injury that they just incurred it was brandon linder who's their all pro caliber center who got the highest contract for a center this past offseason and now he's out for the year unfortunately um for the jacksonville jaguars i know it's going to be really tough for them to have their top offensive lineman off for that game going up against that front seven that's leading the league in sacks. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, it's a different team now, man. It's not, the Steelers yeah. are on fire. Yeah. And uh, Jacksonville's not. And so it seems, I'm not going to say it's going to be a walk in the park, mm-hmm. but I would not be surprised if the Steelers go in there and completely destroy them either. Yeah. They are playing with no confidence right now. That's exactly the point I was going to make, too. Their defense had the swagger last year. They couldn't do anything wrong last year. Ramsey tweeting out before the season, calling out every quarterback but his own, it seemed. And he, he gets to call. He gets to see Ben Roethlisberger, a quarterback that he loved calling out la- this past offseason as well. And I think it's going to be a lot tougher on him and the rest of the defense to see this more diverse offense. And to have to figure yeah. out who you're going to defend. Everybody's clicking, man. And but one, and, uh, mm-hmm. it'll be tough. It is. It's a tough matchup for them. Uh, Fournette. Yep. Uh, Leonard Fournette did return, and he's kind of been battling a hamstring injury. It doesn't seem like he's 100 percent yet. Um, they picked up. Didn't they pick up uh, Carlos Hyde from Cleveland? Yep. So hey, we get to see Carlos Hyde again this year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's a little bit more diverse out of the backfield. Um, but it's not the Leonard Fournette that ran for 100-yard <laughs> breakaway full-field touchdowns against us the last this year. I mean, this is definitely – he looks like he's a little hampered. The hamstring is taking a little bit of his speed and power away. But he's he's still a dangerous player. That is true. But, you know what, once again, it's not how you played last year. It's how you're playing now. And right now the Steelers are uh, in a much better place. Yeah, they are. Now, do you have any predictions for this upcoming game, Brad? What do you see the final score being? Uh, I'll say what I said last week. I mean, if we start quick, it could get ugly quick. Yeah. Um, Blake Bortles is not playing with confidence either. Plus, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Yeah. 
if we stop Fournette, who's semi-injured, mm-hmm. I really think that uh, we could win by three scores. I don't see their offense being much of anything also against the Steelers with the way that the defense Agreed. has been playing so well against the pass. I mean, but they've also been doing a great job of first shutting down the run to make teams one-dimensional. And if they can shut down Hyde and Fournette, it's going to be a long day for Bortles. It really is. Now that they have their much improved top 10 defense, you know, our offense is too diverse for them to slow down, I think, even though they have a lot of talent across the defense. And they can take an A-B out of the game, but they're not going to take Juju out of the game. They're not going to take Switzer and, and you know, Washington and the other running backs coming out and Connor hopefully will hopefully play as well. But no matter who's coming out of the backfield, whether it's Ridley, whether it's Samuels, Feekner's making sure we have enough of a diverse attack to make it so that the attack isn't going to be coming the same way on every play. And I think that's going to be the toughest for defenses to face against us moving down. There's just too many options. And and Ben can use every single one of those options, and he's already shown that he's willing to throw it to anybody on that team. Yeah, I just I don't I don't see them slowing down A B at all. He had his statement game last year. <laughs> <laughs> Who Ramsey? <laughs> No, uh, A.B. against Ramsey. Oh, that's right, in the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. He had that huge yeah. game in the playoffs. You're right. No, I, I forgot about that, man. I, I repressed a lot from that game. I'll tell you, that was a difficult one to go through as a Steeler fan. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well. But this time, I, I see it as a better turnaround. I, I see this as a Steeler win and a big one there on the road scoring. I think they're going to win 35-13. to 13. It's, it's going to be a, a, another fun game for Steeler fans, hopefully, to watch. Works for me. And Brad, do you have anything else you want to offer? Any other Steeler news you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I want to show some love. Great. Who, uh, who Ryan Shazier uh-huh. was awarded the Ed Block Courage Award last night. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. And uh, couldn't have gone to a more deserving recipient. Oh, that's a great That's a great point, Brad. And, and Brad, thank you so much for your insight and, and sharing all of your knowledge and getting up early with us to be on this podcast, man. We all appreciate it. And Steeler nation appreciates it. Yes, sir. Thank you. You are welcome. My friend, be sure to visit SteelerNation.com for excellent articles. Some of them are written by me and the best football forum on the internet. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Stony brewing. I'm G striker with Brad Lambert rooting along with you as always go Steelers.